turn to page number five. We'll sing the next three verses of that song together. Page number five. Oh, tell of his might and sing of his grace. Amen. Let's sing it out. Oh, tell of his might and sing of his grace. Whose robe is the faithfulness this morning. What a blessing. Sure thankful you're here uh, this morning in our morning uh, services. Good to have our guests here uh, with us as well and sure thankful uh, for that. Let's go to the Lord uh, in prayer this morning. Then right after that we got a few announcements just wanted to remind uh, people of and we'll get right back into our singing unto the Lord. Let's be reminded this morning you're not the audience. Amen. He is and uh, let's make sure to sing and praise uh, him. Brother Alan Quinlan would you open us in a word of prayer brother? Yes. Amen. Won't you be seated? Uh, this morning, uh, of course, did just want to mention a couple of things. There are a couple of uh, teen activities, one tonight, and then, of course, next Friday, there's a youth rally at First Baptist Church in Mission, Kansas. And so if you do have young people uh, in the youth department, make sure you're aware of those things. But really wanted to make sure that we knew uh, things coming up this next Sunday. We'll have uh, Brother Tim Knudsen here uh, with us. He pastors Jerome Bible Baptist Church there in Jerome, uh, Idaho. He's a dear friend. And so him and his family are going to be here with us for our Thanksgiving banquet. And so we're going to have uh, regular uh, morning uh, services. Be a fact, uh, the adult uh, Sunday school classes as well as the teen class, it'll be a combined uh, Sunday school. Brother Knudsen's going to be doing that as well as preaching our morning service. And then right after that, we'll be heading over to the E.J. Watson uh, Gymnasium uh, to have uh, what I call dinner on the grounds. That's what we called it. And uh, but we're going to have a lunch, uh, Thanksgiving uh, banquet over there. And so make sure that as you come in that morning to bring a side dish or a dessert or a side dish and a, and a dessert or two side dishes and two desserts. Amen. I'm all for it. Or just dessert. We can have turkey and ham and then nanner pudding. Son, 
I'm on a health kick. I haven't, I'm just telling you, I need some carbs, amen. But uh, looking forward to that. And so uh, we are doing the turkeys and the hams. And so the church is taking care of that. But do bring some side dishes and desserts. We're going to have some fellowship. And then right after we uh, finish our meal, we'll come over and have an afternoon service. It typically goes on. Uh, about uh, 2.30, somewhere around in there, and uh, there'll be no evening service that sun, uh, next Sunday night, so make sure you're aware of that, and hey, if you do come, come and stay and have some fellowship. Man, fellowship is a blessing, isn't it? And so be a part of that, and uh, you said, well, preacher, I'm, I'm not going to be bringing anything. That's okay. There'll be plenty there, I'm sure, and stay and have some fellowship and have a good time in the Lord, and then the afternoon service. And then, of course, the week of Thanksgiving, are we, we are moving our, our midweek service from Wednesday night, the 23rd, to Tuesday night, the 22nd. And again, that'll be at 7 o'clock. And so make sure you're aware of those two specific things this next Sunday and Tuesday night. Okay, Brother Eric, come on ahead. Let's turn to page 192 together. Page 192. I'm going to ask if you'd stand again, please. Crown him with many crowns. Page 192. We'll sing all four verses together this morning. <clears throat> Crown him with many crowns, the Lamb upon his throne. Hark how the heavenly anthem drowns all music but its own. Awake my soul and sing of him who The Comforter has come, page 196. Sing it out together on that first verse. So spread the tidings round. 
this morning. Good to have each one here. Good to have those visiting back with us again. We're glad you're here today as well.
Page 196, if you lost that page number, let's sing out that chorus, The Comforter Has Come. The Comforter has come, the Comforter has come, the Holy Ghost from heaven, the Father's promise give. Oh, spread the tidings round, wherever man is found, the Comforter has come. Oh, boundless love divine. How shall this tongue of mine to wandering mortals tell the matchless grace divine that I, a child of hell, should in his image shine? The Comforter has come. The Comforter has come. The Comforter has come. The Holy Ghost from heaven, the Father's promise give. Oh, spread the tidings round, wherever man is found, the Comforter has come. Amen. Brother Tim. As men come for the offering, I'd like to read to you from Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20. He says, Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Brother Jack Parker, would you pray for the offering this morning?
turn to page 167 for our last song together this morning. I ask if you would stand one last time. The song is Calvary Covers It All. Amen. Page 167. <laughs> Sing it out on that first verse. Far dearer than all that the world can impart was the message that came to my heart how that Jesus alone for my sin did atone and Calvary covers it all Calvary covers it all my past with its sin and stain Crucified Lord, my redemption complete. I then found at his feet, and Calvary covers it all. Calvary covers it all. My past with its sin. My soul by him bought shall be his in the glory on high, where with gladness and song I'll be one of the throng, and Calvary covers it all. Calvary covers it all my past with its sin and stain my guilt and despair Jesus took on him there and Calvary covers 
verse number three, verse number three, don't put your hymn books up yet, we're not done. Verse number three, how matchless the grace, it's unmatched what God did for us. When I looked in the face of this Jesus, my crucified Lord, my redemption complete. You don't need to add anything else to it. He did it all. He took care of it all. I then found at his feet, and Calvary covers it all. We've got to sing that last verse again. Aren't you thankful for what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross this morning? Let's sing it out on that third verse. We'll go a cappella on that chorus, all right? How matchless the grace When I looked in the face Of this Jesus, my crucified Lord My redemption complete I then found at His feet And Calvary covers it all Sing it out now Calvary covers it all. My past with its sin and stain, my guilt and despair, Jesus took on him there. And Calvary covers it all. Someone say amen this morning. Praise the Lord. You can be seated. Great singing today. This time we'll have a special for the message. spoke the world into existence and holds it in its place with his strong hand can meet my need without the least assistance no miracle too great could I demand and as I come in prayer unto the King of Kings and humbly kneel before his holy throne. I know that my petition I can boldly bring and that he delights to give unto his own. But if not, will I choose to love him anyway but if not will he still be worthy of my praise his great glory i'll proclaim if he delivers from the flame but will i serve him just the same if not I 
I say, oh Lord, I trust in you with all my heart. And I pray, oh Father, let thy will be done. But what if his will is not to grant my heart's desire? In order to bring glory to his Son, will I still delight to do my Savior's bidding? When on my behalf he does not intervene, I know that I will praise him if he answers. And when his hand a blessing can be seen, but if not, will I choose to love him anyway? But if not, will he still be worthy of my praise? His great glory I'll proclaim if he delivers from the flame. But will I serve him just the same? If not, I know his grace will always be sufficient. I know his strength my weakness will perfect. I'll trust when it's beyond my comprehension that my needs he will supply and my paths he will direct but if not i will choose to love him anyway but if not he will still be worthy of my praise his great glory i'll proclaim if he delivers from the flame but i will serve him just the same if not his great glory i'll proclaim if he delivers from the flame but i will serve him just the same if not, if not, if not. Well, if that song didn't make sense to you, go and read Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, amen. And I'm telling you, just... I love, I love their spirit, their faith, and, uh, but God did rescue them from the flame, amen. Well, actually, He didn't rescue them from the flame, He rescued them in the flame, amen. How about that? <clears throat> amen. And uh, old Nebuchadnezzar, old Nebi, looked over there and saw one likened unto the Son of Man right there in the midst of them. What a blessing. What a great, man, I want to preach on Daniel now, amen. And uh, good stuff this morning. Well, sure glad you're here. And uh, looking forward to getting into our study in Romans this morning. And so let's all stand in honor of God's Word if you're able uh, to stand this morning. And want to invite you to Romans and, and chapter number 6 this morning. Romans and, and chapter number 6. 
And uh, we're kind of going to get started this morning. And I love Romans chapter 5. It says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. But in verse, or verse number 1 of chapter 6, starts out this way. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into His death, Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of His death, we shall be also in the likeness of His resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be destroyed that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. And guess what? That's what we're supposed to do. Look at what he says in verse number 11. Likewise, reckon. Paul's a southerner. Reckon. I reckon so. Look at what he says. He says, likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield yield ye your members as instruments of righteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Now notice this in verse 14. For sin shall not have dominion over you if you are saved. Mercy. That's a a blessing right there. For ye are not under the law, but but under grace. Now the reason I I went back to chapter 5 and just read verse number 1 is because now we start uh, Romans chapter 6, and basically I I would say it like this. We, We go from justification to sanctification. Really, that, that's the idea there. And sanctification just, just simply means this. If you're not in the Sunday school series and in Sunday mornings going through the ABCs of Christian growth, sanctification just simply means this, to be set apart as a part unto Christ from the world and unto God. That's what the idea is. The Apostle Paul takes this chapter, and what I would say to you is this, is that he is correcting the thinking of the believer's in Rome, and the point is to say this, that if you've been justified by Jesus Christ, which, by the way, is the only way you can be justified, it's by faith in Him. If you've been justified, then you've not been given a license to live in sin. Rather, you've been given a new life to live in Him. And that's what we're supposed to be doing. And that's what He begins to deal with. So 
I, I would question, I would say to you this morning, the question to us is this. Well, certainly, number one, have you been saved? Have you been justified? Have you been born again of the Spirit of God? Have you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? All of those mean the same thing. To be saved and forgiven of our sin and receive eternal life. But if you have been saved, if you have been saved, then here's the question. Are you still living unto sin or are you now living unto Jesus Christ? Well, you know, preacher, it's kind of complicated. No, no, it's not really. And here's the thing you got to understand. It's either one or the other. You can't sit here this morning and go, well, listen, that's kind of a gray area. No, it's not a gray area. It is a black and white issue. Even Jesus said, you cannot serve God and mammon. You can't do both, friend. And besides all of that, you've got to understand this. The life that you can live in Jesus Christ is really the best life to live. It's the best life to live. So we're going to look at that this morning. Are you living unto sin or unto Jesus Christ? Father, would you bless the preaching now? And God, help me this morning to just simply preach your word. Be used as a vessel for you. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. I, uh, I, I don't know about you. I'd, I'd venture to say this is probably true for, for, for most anybody. Hope, hopefully it is. And hopefully you don't look at me like I'm nuts this morning. Though sometimes you do. Because it's probably true. <laughs> But I do, I do hope this, that, that, that you've done something maybe in your youth that w- was very ignorant and your thinking was way off. Are you with me? Some of you are like going, nope, that's just you. Some of you, though, you know it's true. I, I do have some uh, sin that I have to confess this morning before the church. <clears throat> when I was in my early 20s, I worked for Pepsi for about a year. That's my sin. <laughs> It's my sin. Now I did. I did drink cokes while I was on the job, Coca Cola, just to let them know where I stood. But there you have it. Um, there, I, I did did this for about a, a little over a year or so, and and it was for Buffalo Rock Pepsi there in Pensacola, Florida, where where I where I grew up at, where I lived, and um, they actually had two different sections in, in the company. They had the section that that drove the big trucks that hauled all of the, the, the two liters and the, you know, the cases of, of sodas to the, the grocery stores and the gas stations and, and places like that. But then they also had the section that, that drove the smaller trucks and they went and, and refilled the drink machines uh, that are at a lot of your local places and malls and, and things like that, schools and, and, and stuff, and also the snack machines and you know, and things like that. Well, I, I worked on the snack uh, side of things. And, and in fact, one of my stops, and I don't even know if this department store exists anymore, but it was J.C. Penney's. I, I don't know if that, I don't know if Jacques Penney's is still around. That's what we call it because you want to be fancy. Shopped at Jacques Penney's. But anyways, one of my stops was there at the break room on the second floor in the University Mall there in, in Pensacola, Florida. And so twice a week, I would go uh, upstairs and I would fill the, the snack machine with, with pastries and candy bars, and then you had your potato chips, and you had two or three rows of, of that. Well, there was this one row that I had that was pretzels. And I had to have pretzels because there was a lady that worked there that liked pretzels, all right? But the only problem was she was the only one that liked pretzels, all right? And, and so what would happen is this, is that I would only sell one or two bags, and so... 
I'd have to put, you know, a couple, I'd have to move all the chips forward, put some other pretzels back there, and they'd get close to their, their expiration date. So what I, what I started seeing happening was there was this plain bag of Fritos over here that the expiration date had went out. And so what I did was, as I took those two or three bags of plain Fritos that the expiration date had went out, and I put them behind the pretzels as filler. So I wouldn't have to waste as many pretzel bags. Hopefully this is making sense. Hopefully you can get on board with my insane way of thinking here. All right, but the idea was this, is that I could put two or three bags, of, I could leave them, them old Fritos in there, and then I could fill the rest up with pretzels. That way the line's a little bit shorter, and I don't have to, you know, I uh, don't have to stress out, and she can buy all the pretzels she wants, and, 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 and it'll be great. And so I'm thinking, man, this is awesome. And, but here's the thing, this went on for like months. I mean months. And here I am, man, she'd buy two or three bags of pretzels, I'd move them old Doritos back, put a couple of bags of pretzels in there, and then two or three old bags of Fritos, they just kept getting older and older and older. And I'm thinking, this, this system is working great until they had an inspection. And on Friday afternoon, I get done with my run, and I'm back in the parking lot, and I'm waiting for my supervisors to come out and tell me how great my route looked, how clean my machines were, how awesome it was. And one of the supervisors had three bags of Fritos in his hand. <laughs> and he laid them down. And he goes, he looks at me and I went, oh man, you took my filler out. And he looks at me and goes, what were you thinking? I was like, well, I'll tell you what I was thinking. I wasn't wasting any more pretzels. And he goes, did it ever dawn on you? that they could have bought all those pretzels and then those really old expired Fritos would have come to the front and somebody could have bought those and got sick. Oh, that, that never dawned on me. <laughs> but it did now. Well, what I'm trying to get across to you is this, is that my thinking was way off. And just like my thinking was way off on my system of pretzels and really old Fritos, what Paul is dealing with here is that the believers in, in, in Rome, their thinking was way off on spiritual things. All right, let me, let me explain to you what I mean. Look, look back at Romans chapter 5 and look at verse number 20. He says, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Now, I don't know about you, but that is an incredibly encouraging thought that you and I, if you were here last week, we, we looked at. Be, in fact, you can go back in the previous verses and you will find that sin and death reigned from Adam to Moses. Right? All right, that means this. Man died because he's a sinner. That's proof of you and I that we are sinners this morning, that we're dying. All right? But we also know this, that with Moses came the law. And when God gave Moses the law then you understand that, that sin, the sin that man had within him became very clear because God made it very clear what his standard of holiness was in thou shalt not, and thou shalt not, and thou shalt not. But what Paul is saying is this, is that, that though sin abounded with the law, you understand that if we've been saved, 
then grace did much more abound, meaning this, that it doesn't matter what we've done or the things that are in our life that have been against the law. In the blood of Jesus Christ, those things are all done away with. Somebody say amen this morning. That's an incredibly powerful thought that it doesn't matter who you are or what you've done, you can be saved and washed in the blood of Jesus Christ this morning. Doesn't matter, friend. Well, you know, preacher, you don't understand what I've done. To which I would say, you don't understand the power of the blood of Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sin and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness this morning. Now, now I would say to you, when you and I look at it in that light, pretty right thinking. Well, that, that's what it's intended to say. But that's not the mindset of the believers in Rome. Let me explain to you. Their, their thought was simply this. All right, now you listening? Catch this. Since grace abounds with more sin, then I'll just sin more so that I can get more grace. Did you catch that? Okay, so, so if grace abounds with more sin, then I'll just sin more so that I can get more grace. That was their, that was their mindset. Hence the question that Paul brings up in, in verse number 1 of what we just read. He says this, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin? Watch this. That grace may abound. That, that's the question. That's dealing with. And rightly, and he rightly answers in verse number 2. God forbid. And so what follows is this. Is that Paul begins to correct what I would say is this. They're stinking thinking. All right? Because obviously that, that is not. Now, now, now listen. And I, I know this. That we would never in our right mind, we would never go, I mean, some of you are looking at me like, well, that's just nuts. Because that is, that's obviously the wrong kind of thinking. And we would almost, we would almost consider it silly to think this, that more grace comes with more sin. We would understand that that is completely contrary uh, to the principles of the scriptures. It is utterly absurd. But, but here's what I know. Listen, I know me. I, I know me, and I know this. I know that I haven't thought exactly that. Oh, I'll just do more sin so that I can get more grace. But I have had things similar to it. Kind of something like this. I, I know I shouldn't do that, but I'm going to go ahead and do that because I know God will forgive me. Come on, man. You're looking at me like, I would never think that. Liar, liar, pants on fire. Yeah, we would think things like that. I'm just saying to you, so don't look at this mindset and go, man, preacher, this doesn't have anything to do with it. I would never do it. No, 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 no. I'm just telling you, friend, we do have thoughts along that line where we justify something that, that we know that we shouldn't do in our sin, and we excuse it with the subject of grace. And what Paul is saying here is this, is that if that's your mindset as a child of God, that's not the right way to think. By, by the way, let me also say this. If you're lost this morning and there's never been a time and place where you put your faith and trust in Christ, that too, I'm just telling you, that, that, that's a wrong mindset to have for the lost man as well. And I know this. I remember as a kid thinking this. You know, when I get older, I'll go to church and I'll do right. But right now, I want to sow my wild oats. After all, God's going to forgive me. And, 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 and listen, please catch this. While that may be true, God also said this, we don't have the promise of tomorrow. 
Boy, friend, I'm just telling you, listen, today is the day of salvation. If you know that you're a sinner and you know that you need to be saved, then my friend, don't put it off any longer. Make sure that you've been saved, friend, and, and come to Jesus Christ. Don't use the grace of God to, as an excuse to remain lost. But even us that are saved should not use the grace of, of God as an excuse to live unto sin. Let me, let me, let me make two clear things. Let me, let me make th- two things clear if I get my words straight. Let me make two things clear fr- from this chapter. Number one is this. And if you like taking notes, you ought to write these down. The end result of more sin is not more grace. It's death. Did you catch that? The end result of more sin is not grace. It's death. Okay, preacher, how do, you, how do you get that? Well, look at the end of the chapter. Look at verse number 23. What does he say? He says, for the wages of sin is what? It's death. Okay, so, so, so what are wages? Well, wages are what we earn. Come on, it, it's, the, it's the consequences or the results of our work and our labor. Well, what he's saying here is this, is that the consequences of the, or the end result of more sin, it's not grace, it's death. And, uh, no, 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 and, and please get this. This isn't just talking about physical death. Come on, it's, it's talking about spiritual death. You, you understand, for the lost is spiritual death in hell for all eternity. That's why it goes on and says this. Aren't you glad for this? But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Come on, aren't you glad for that? No, 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 I'm just telling you, friend, that that's the end result, is that if you choose to remain in your sin and you reject the gospel and what Jesus Christ has done for you on the cross of Calvary, then the reality is you are condemned already, you'll stand before God, you'll be judged, and you'll be cast into hell, and then eventually judged at the great white throne judgment and cast into the lake of fire for all eternity. That is according to the Word of God. But here's what Jesus said, hell was not meant for you, it was meant for the devil and his angels. That's why God gave us the gift of His Son so that you and I can be saved and forgiven and have eternal life. Praise God for grace. Praise God for grace. But you got to understand there's also the application to us that are saved. And I realize this. Please catch this. Praise God, once you get saved, you can never lose it. Don't believe me. Read Romans chapter 8. We'll get there. I'm just telling you. Nothing shall separate us from the love of Jesus Christ. And glory hallelujah for that. But that doesn't mean that, friend, if you live unto sin, there's going to be spiritual consequences for that. And I'm going to tell you something. Sometimes it's going to feel like you're dead on the inside. Here, you know, this is something that, that it just amazes me. I, never in my life have I heard of so many of God's people saying things like this. God has forsaken me. God hates me. God doesn't speak to me anymore. It's like I'm dead to God. And I I suppose one of the reasons for that is because of social media. You know, that's basically given us an avenue for people to just publish every thought within their heart. So, so I, I get that. I get that that's probably one of the reasons why I've heard that so much. But, but please understand this. When you're, when you're thinking like that, please, please listen to this. 
None of that could be further from the truth of God's Word. Come on, friend. If you're saved this morning, listen to this. He has not forsaken you. God has promised to never leave you nor forsaken you. Friend, He, he doesn't hate you. He loves you. But, but at the same time, please listen, I want to declare unto you that it may feel that way because of the way you are living. Because you're living unto sin and not unto Jesus Christ. You understand? And the wages of sin is death. It's, it's, not, it's not grace. I, listen, I, I'm, I'm just saying, some, you're so quiet this morning. It's like, you're like, man, just hurry up and get done with what you got to say and let's get out. Please, please listen to this. You've got to come to this place in your life where I came to this place in my life where you spiritually understand that when you feel distant from God in your soul and in your heart, if you're a child of God, that's not on God. That is on you. You understand? He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And my friend, this is what I have found in my life. He is faithful to keep His Word. It is true. And I'm just telling you, friend, what, what, it, what it is is when we feel distant, it's not that God's left us. It's us that left God. And we're starting to live under the things that He said we're not to live unto. And that creates distance in our fellowship with Him. And what happens is this. When I realize that and I realize the struggles that are going on within me and I feel that way and I get to the understanding that it's not Him, it's me, I get on my face and go to God and get right with Him and I find out He was there all along. He was there all along. How true He is to His Word. But I'm just saying to you, my friend, that sin, it doesn't lead to more grace. It leads to death. It leads to death. And here's the other thing, and let me let me just, and this really I believe ties right into our text this morning. But that's this: grace is not a license to sin. You know what it is? It's a liberty from sin. <laughs> and this again, this ties right in the purpose of our salvation and being justified from sin is not to go back to a life of sin, but rather to be set free from it. God has given us power over sin. And, and not the power uh, to sin and live the way we want to live. And notice in verse number 14, what a great truth. Uh, notice it says, For sin shall not have dominion over you. You know what that means? That means power over you. That means whatever it is that's in your life that is against the Word of God, friend, God's given you the power to overcome that. Greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. Somebody say amen this morning. Why? 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 How can we do that? How? God's grace. You know what God's grace is? It's God's help. It's God's help. It's God's help. It's His help to give us victory over the sin in our life. It enables us to live unto Jesus Christ. And by the way, if you've ever lived on both sides of the aisle, unto sin and unto Christ, then you and I both know which one's the better one to live. I'll tell you, I got saved when I was 20 years old, and I'm 47 now. And I can promise you this, the last 27 have been far greater than the first 20. I Listen, I remember the misery inside of me, the struggles in my soul, no peace, no joy, the sin and the evil that was in my life. 
And I got saved, and oh my soul, the peace in my heart, the forgiveness, the joy unspeakable and full of glory, and it just got gooder and gooder. Man, I mean, listen, I, I look back now, and I, and I, I do this often. I, I'm telling you, I don't even want to think about where my life would be without Him. I think about the wife that He gave me and the home that we have and the children that God's given us and, and watching them serve the Lord. Man, I get to pastor Faith Baptist Church. I get to preach to people from Kansas that have poker faces. I really do. I love it. I wouldn't trade anything for it. Even if it is 17 degrees outside this morning. And a guy from Florida, that ain't right. But I wouldn't trade anything for it. I'm just, listen, the point is to say this. When we say a life lived unto Jesus Christ, I don't know why. And you talk about... You talk about separation and sanctification and people start clamming up and going, <gasps> like it's a negative thing. Folks, when you talk about separating from sin and living a life unto Jesus Christ. That is the best life to live. Amen. That is where the joy is at. That is where the grace of God is at. That is where the blessings of God. Listen, I'm not saying life won't be perfect, even as you struggle and battle, but He's always there. Amen. And He's faithful. And I'm telling you, friend, it is a wonderful, it is the best life, it is a wonderful life to live. And I'm telling you, there's no better place to be. And what Paul, Paul, listen, Paul understood that. I said, Paul understood that. And what he's saying is this, guys, you're robbing yourself of everything that God intends you to have by doing this. Let me, let me correct your thinking and your understanding spiritually to encourage you to live unto Jesus Christ. Look at, look at, let, me, let, me, let me just give you the things that, that, that I wrote down. Here, here's the first thing. And, and I, you can see this from the Scripture, but I, I believe this. Certainly one of those would be this, our baptism. Okay, our baptism that you received after your salvation, that is a picture of the new life you're supposed to be living in Jesus Christ. That's, that's what he begins to bring up. Look at verse number 2. So he says, God forbid. And then he says this, How shall we that are dead to sin live, live any longer therein? So beginning in verse number 2, after declaring that their thinking was wrong with the answer, God forbid, Paul then poses this next question, and, and, and really it's one to correct their thinking. He says this, How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? And I got to be thinking, if you're a believer in Rome and you got this letter, you're going, wait, what? And he begins to, he begins to, you know, begins to explain that. How, well, wait a minute, how, how does the dead live at all? Well, it's not supposed to. That, that's the point. See, the dead are dead. But the point is, he is speaking spiritually about the old man and the old way of life. As you and I will see here in a moment in verse number 6. The old man is crucified with Christ on the cross. He's supposed to be dead. All right? But here, the old way of life is to be done away with. And he begins to talk about this new life that we're now to live in Jesus Christ. And, and, and he goes back to the, really, if I could say it like this, the very first commandment you and I are supposed to follow after we've been saved, baptism. And it pictures that. Look at verse, verse 3. He says, Know ye not 
That so many of us as we're baptized unto, uh, into Jesus Christ, we're baptized unto, into His death. Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should also walk, uh, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Now, now, now let, let's, let's be clear. A couple of things here. Let's be very clear. We be Baptists. No, we're not a denomination. We're a people. Amen. We didn't, we're, not, we're not reformed. We didn't, come, we didn't start in the Reformation. We went through it. We didn't come out of the Catholic Church. We're not Protestant. All right? We, we, you know, read Bible Baptist history. Trail of blood. Awesome stuff. But here's what I want to tell you. We're not charismatic. Is everybody catching this? And what I mean by that is this, is that this is not talking about the baptism of the Spirit that the charismatics chase after. Now, state, no, no, no. See, mm, do you know this? There is no baptism of the Spirit. There is the baptism with the Spirit, and that was done by Jesus Christ on the day of Pentecost. And by the way, the church didn't start then. It was empowered then. It started with Jesus Christ and His disciples. He was the first pastor. And in John 21, he commissioned Peter to be the next pastor. That's why Peter stood up and preached on the day of Pentecost, because he'd be the pastor. He preached a whole lot shorter message than me, and 3,000 people got saved. I should probably work on that. (laughs) But you know, listen, I, I, I don't have time to go into this dissertation on the baptism of the Holy Spirit and all this nonsense that the charismatics chase after today. But you do need to understand this, that if you repented and put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you have all you ever need to be forgiven of your sins and to have eternal life. Somebody say amen. You don't need to chase after some experience and lay down on the bathroom floor for four days until you utter some gibberish that nobody can understand. That's not Bible. Tongues in the Scripture were known languages. They just weren't known to the men speaking it. That's why every man in Acts chapter 2 heard the Word of God in his own tongue. Somebody say amen. I'm just saying to you, friend, that we're not charismatic. This is actually talking about water baptism, which is the one baptism in Ephesians chapter 4. Now, I also want to say this. We're not charismatic, but we're not Campbellites either. Well, what's a Campbellite? Well, if you've ever heard of the Church of Christ denomination. That's a Campbellite. In other words, they believe in baptismal regeneration, which means this, that once a person is baptized, then that's when they get saved. And you need to understand this. That's not Bible. That's not Scripture. Nobody in the Bible ever got, ever got saved through baptism. There's nothing magical about that water. We just baptized Miss Jean back here last Sunday morning. There was nothing magical about the water. Praise God, it was warm. But there's not... It's Kansas water. If anything, I question it. I'm just kidding. I mean, it is better Missouri water. I mean, I'm starting a state war right now. What I'm saying to you is this, friend. It's through the blood. It's through the blood that man is saved. Look at Romans chapter five, in verse number nine, or verse number nine. For it's through His blood. I mean, listen. Did we not just deal with justification? 
And that it's by faith Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him as righteousness. Come on, friend. That's what the whole uh, book of Romans is about. But the reason I bring this up is because in the past, in dealing with the Campbellites, they go right to this passage and use it to defend baptismal regeneration. But here's the problem. They fail to see it in its context. It's not really about baptism. It's about sanctification. And your baptism in water, if you've been baptized, it pictures what Christ has done in your heart and what you should now be doing practically in your life. <laughs> it's baptism. Water baptism. And baptism is a picture, isn't it? Come on, it's a, it's a picture. I mean, look at what he says in verse number 4, that we are buried with him by baptism Unto, into death. Look at this. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead. Look at verse number 5. For if we've been planted together in the likeness. Those, those words mean type or picture. And, and we know this. That it, that it pictures the gospel of Jesus Christ. But also it pictures the new life we now are to live in Jesus Christ. Amen. Now I want you to think about this. When someone is baptized in water unto Jesus Christ. Now watch this. They are baptized into His death and raised up to walk together in the newness of life. Now doesn't that, oh come on, doesn't that tell us some things? Doesn't that tell us certainly one is this, is that the correct mode for baptism is immersion? I mean, come on, that's true to the definition, but that's also true to the examples of Scripture. You will, listen, listen, you will not find anyone in Scripture who was baptized to be saved, and you will not find anyone in Scripture who was sprinkled or poured on. You're not going to find it. You're not going to find any babies being christened. None of that said, you know why? Because babies can't repent and believe. So preacher, what happens when my baby dies? Well, praise God for the promise of David that you, you know, his son, God took his son. But David said, listen, I, he's not going to come to me, but I'll go to him. We're safe in the arms of the Lord. Praise God for that. But what I'm saying to you is this, is that it's always, a, it's always immersion. That's the proper definition. That's the proper picture of Jesus Christ. And then we raise them up and they come up to symbolize the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But it's also to picture this, the newness of life that you and I are supposed to walk in. Do you know this? This is what I know about baptism. I've never done baptism on anybody yet where I took them down under the water and left them there. <laughs> Notice I said yet. I'm just kidding. We've joked about it some. I've asked a couple of spouses, you know, I've asked, you know, husband gets saved and asked, you want me to hold him down until the bubble stop coming up? Preacher, would you do that? <laughs> and it's, oh, come on. It's a joke. Never done that. So why are so many of God's people drowning in sin? Why? why? Preacher, it just feels like my wife is overwhelmed right now and I'm just, I'm drowning. You know why? You know why? Because you're not following what what the picture is supposed to be. Please please catch this. Listen to this. Your salvation, when you got baptized... You listen to this? It wasn't just a public profession that you've been saved. 
It was also a public proclamation that I'm now going to live unto Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, it bothers me to watch some of these kids and some of these young people and even some adults, unfortunately, that come up and they just kind of chomping down on gum and approaching the subject of baptism with, with a lot of silliness and not serious. You've you got to understand that what you're doing is you're committing. You're ultimately, you're, you're being made part of one of the Lord's churches and all of that, but you're also publicly committing, I'm going to follow the Lord Jesus Christ in my life. And my friend, when you're drowning in your sin and not living unto Jesus Christ, then you're failing to uphold your testimony. That's right. Paul goes back and says, listen, you, you guys have the wrong thinking. The baptism that you got shows you that. Go back to what it pictures. Christ has given you this new life that you're supposed to live in. Let me give you the second thing here. Uh, the other thing about this. Let's go down and, and look at the next thing. Look at verse number 5. Because it's not just our baptism, but it's the gospel of Jesus Christ that gives us this purpose. Look at what he says in verse number 5. He says, For if ye have been planted together in the likeness of His death, we shall, also, we shall be also in the likeness of His resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. And, and so, so appropriately, as Paul deals with the subject of baptism, he goes right into the gospel because that's what baptism ultimately pictures. And so he goes into that. But, but you understand what he's going to deal with now is to say this, that the gospel wasn't just to give us eternal life. It was also to give us a new life, an abundant life. The old man, he says, the old man in verse number 6 it was crucified with Jesus Christ on the cross. What, what, is, what does that even mean, preacher? What is our old man? Well, if you've been saved, it's talking about the old sin nature. Be a fact, if you go back in Romans chapter 5, you'll find out you inherited that from Adam. We so say, how, how do you know that? Well, here's what I know. Scripture interprets Scripture. And here's what it says in Ephesians 4.22, that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man. You know, what, you know what the old man then is? It's the former conversation. What's that? That's the former way of life that you lived before you got saved. Um, Colossians 3.9, Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have... Put off the old man with his deeds. Okay, so what's the old man there? Well, it's the one that was participating in the evil deeds. So, so what I'm saying to you is this, is that the old man is the sin nature. It's the old way of life. And what Paul is saying here is this, is that our old man is to be crucified with Jesus Christ. What does that mean? That means where he died physically, you and I are supposed to die to the old man spiritually. Okay, so what, is, what does that look like? Well, here's what he says at the end of verse number 6. He says, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that ye hence, that henceforth we should not serve sin. That's what he's talking about. In fact, he brings up the logical idea here. 
He, look at verse number 7. For he that is dead is free from sin. It goes back to what he asked in, in verse number 2. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? You shouldn't. You shouldn't if you're safe. Why? Because the old man was supposed to be crucified. But this is what I know about Jesus Christ. His death and His burial is not the end of the story. He rose again the third day. And He goes on and says this, Now if we believe, now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over Him. For in that He died, He died unto sin once, but in that He liveth, He liveth unto God. So what is He saying? What He's saying is this, is that the old man is to die, and you're now a new creature in Christ, and behold, all things, or the old things have passed away, and behold, all things are become new. And just as Christ ever liveth unto God, we're to live unto Him. The old man is to die, and we're to live in the new man. But this is what I found. Is that just as there's a lot of God's people drowning in sin, there's a lot of God's people hanging out with dead people. It's not normal to hang out with dead people. Well, preacher, what about a mortician? I knew you was going to bring that up. (laughs) But I had a preacher friend. I have a preacher friend. He used to be a mortician, and he's definitely not normal. You'll get to meet him in April when he preaches our missions conference next year. It's Brother Scott Neal. He's crazy. He's a great brother. You know what? That's their responsibility to deal with the dead, but I'll guarantee you this. They're not interested in hanging out with them all the time. You know why? Because it's not normal. You know what Paul's saying? It's not normal if you've been saved to continue to live unto sin. It's not normal. You've been saved. The old man is dead. And you've been given a new way of life. And what you're supposed to do is live unto Jesus Christ. In fact, I'd say this. If this is the only direction you can find yourself going into and you've got, you got a profession of faith in Christ, I'd get a little checkup. I'm not trying to make anybody doubt their salvation, but I'd say if this is the only direction you're interested in going and you're not interested in living unto Christ, you might better check things up. Make sure the old man has been really died and, and you've received Christ as your Savior and been made a new child of God, new, new creature in Christ. Is that not fair? Amen. Think so? I preach this is awesome. Man, this sounds great because I don't know about you, but the new life in Christ, that's a wonderful promise. And to me, it does. I mean, it's, I'm just telling you, there's no better way. And, and maybe you're sitting here going, okay, well, I've been going, and, and you're right, preacher, it does feel like I'm drowning in, you know, man, it's, you know, and I've been living stink, in stinking, you know, around the old man. He'd be stinking. Though he'd be dead. It'd been four days. Anyway. Sorry, went off on Lazarus. And maybe you're hearing you saying, Preacher, that sounds good. And I want this new life in Christ. And, and I know that I'm saved, but I'm just struggling. How, how, how do I practically in my life, how do I get there? And, and that's, a, that's a, I would say to you, that's a right question to ask. 
And I'm so thankful that Paul, as he corrects their thinking, he doesn't stop there. Because in verse number 11, I believe it is, is where he says this, Likewise, reckon. Look at what he says in verse number 11. He says, Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So here's, here's what I would say, is that it starts with reckon. I, I don't know. I just grew up in the South all the time, and I heard, well, I reckon. I reckon so, boy. So my dad used to reckon so. My grandpa, yeah, I reckon. What does that even mean? You know what it means? It means to take an account. It means, it means this. Listen to this. It means to conclude. You know what he's saying? He's saying, now watch this. Please catch, oh, come on, catch this now. What he's saying is this, is that if you want this new life that Christ has given you in salvation and you want to live in that, then you know what it, where it starts? It starts within the inner man. And you come into the conclusion about some things. Now here, now listen, now listen this is just me, okay? This, this is my life. It's probably going to ring home with you because after all, I'm normal. <laughs> all right? But here's what I know. Is that sometimes you got to get to this place on some things. Things like, may, maybe the reason I'm drowning in my sin and feeling like I'm dead on the inside is because of me. And it's the choices I'm making and the way that I'm living and not the way God's treating me. And you got to get to that place where you just, you get sick of it. And I'm tired of feeling empty on the inside. And I'm tired of drowning in my thoughts and in my sin and in my wickedness and I'm sick of it. But at the same time, you also realize, I also know that my God's got something far better for me than that. Amen. And it's not the old man. It's the new man. And to stop giving in to the old man and give in to the new man. Amen. You just got to get to that place where you reckon. I reckon it ain't him, it's me. And I reckon I need to get on my face and get right with God. And that's what he's saying. Reckon. Come to this conclusion within the inner man. I mean, listen, you think Paul? Paul done that. Why do you think he said to the Galatians who, who, by the way, were going back to the old man in the old way of life? And Paul said this, I am crucified with Christ. And nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live, in the flesh I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. That sounds like a guy who reckoned. Who said, I'm done with this. I'm going this. In fact, look at what he says. He says this, after you've concluded that in the inner man. Look at what he says in verse number 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, 
but yield yourselves unto God as as those that are alive from the dead and, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. So here's what he's saying. He's saying this. Reckon. Reckon it's you, not him. But this is what he has for you. And so go ahead and go all in. Just fully submit. Yield. Submit. Okay, God, you want me to be back at church on Sunday night? I yield. Okay, God, you want me to be back at church on Wednesday night? I yield. Okay, God, you want me to start tithing? I yield. Okay, God, you want me to give to missions? I yield. Okay, God, you want me to get involved? I yield. Okay, God, you want me to serve you? I yield. Okay, God, you want me to put this out of my life? I yield. And please understand that. Don't sit here this morning and go, I've done that. Because it's not a, I've done that. It's a, I am doing that. Paul said this, I died daily. You know what that means? That means tomorrow you're going to have to wake up and go, I yield. I'm going to set my alarm to get up early before work and I'm going to make some coffee and I'm going to spend some time in God's Word and I'm going to walk with God in prayer. I yield. And when I get home tomorrow night, I'm not going to turn the TV on to some garbage I've been watching or play around with some entertainment I have no business seeing. I yield. Tuesday morning, same thing. I yield. Folks, well, what I'm telling you is this. Is that if you'll get to this place where you're sick of it, reckon and yield unto God, 27 years from now, you'll look back and go, mercy. God's grace has sure been good. Amen. Because this is new life. And that's what He intends for you to have. But you'll never have it until you correct your thinking. And you come to the conclusion that the way you're going isn't leading to grace. But what He has for you, it will. Let's all stand.